Well, good morning. It really is good to see you today. I was thinking uh, before I came out in the first service uh, this morning, what an honor and privilege it is to be able to talk to you and that you would give an hour on Sunday morning to prioritize this. And uh, I'm honored to be here. I really am. And I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now. Uh, from uh, one of the campuses, or maybe you're online uh, here or somewhere uh, in the world in our global family. I meet uh, new people all the time that have been or are watching online. We're glad you're here. And this morning, I especially want to welcome a church that is joining us uh, online. It's uh, Expansion Church, pastored by Rock Kane. And uh, Expansion Church is in Port Lucie, Florida. And it's Ark Church Plant number 916, planted in January of 2021. Let's give my hand. Welcome them this morning. We're glad you're with us. Would you agree with me that uh, it's pretty jacked up out there right now? Would you? Would you agree with that? Anybody? Yeah. Anybody here pay five dollars for gasoline this week? Those of you watching from California are saying, which station? I'll get there. Good luck buying a house these days. Inflation is eating away at our wallets. Stock market is depleting our retirement accounts. The R word, recession, is creeping up on the radar. Food shortages are starting, baby formula among them. Speaking of shortages, there's just not enough people to do all the work. What's up with that? Did I miss a rapture or something? Where did they go? Gun violence in the schools and on the streets. Scandals in the church. Hopelessly divided. And then another election on the horizon. Oh, goody, goody. By the way, rather than complain about all that stuff, how about vote? Okay? Yeah. I wish all of us would vote. Vote our values. Vote, you know, we may not all vote the same way on every person. That's all right. Go vote. And those of you who are in South Carolina, you have an opportunity to do that this week. I think it's a primary week or something like that. Don't blow it off. Do your responsibility. And that's my public service announcement. We say terrible things about one another on social media. There's a war in Europe that threatens the world. And I was watching the other day the local weather, and the hurricane season is upon us, and they're afraid they're going to run out of names this year. You know that list? No wonder there's a mental health crisis. It's pretty jacked up out there. And you're saying, thanks, Pastor, for reminding us of all of this. We came to church on Sunday morning to get away from it. Well, I love the fact that God's word is relevant, not just to what happens in here, but what goes on out there. I am grateful that it's not just an ancient text, but it's a contemporary contextualization of how God works and what he wants for us in our lives. It's a now word for today's issues. And I believe that if we do what Jesus teaches us today, it could literally change our world. I said, if we do. Now, let me go back. 
I believe that it will do that when we do what Jesus commands and teaches us today. It can start today. Now, we're studying the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we've been, this is our 24th week in an eight-week series. Um, just to explain, we started the year, we had a whole bunch of series laid out, you know, and we're going to do the Beatitudes with the first, you know, eight weeks of the year, because there are eight Beatitudes, pretty easy to do that. And we got done with those eight, we said, well, we ought to do a couple, three more weeks. Well, we're 24, we're six months into the first series of the year. We've been going verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' very first sermon, uh, whose relevance echoes down through the ages. I mean, it was radical. You read it. It was radical. And when you kind of get first century culture, Jewish culture, it was even more radical than you think. But Jesus' radical ideas impacted a group of people who later uh, changed the world. Earlier, Jesus warned his disciples against formal hypocritical prayer. He said, you need to pray. Prayer is the key to a lot of things. But he says, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites do. I mean, don't, you know, dress up, get up in front of people and, you know, say all these long words and all that kind of stuff. He said, that doesn't do, and you get your, they, they got their reward. And then he gave us a pattern for prayer. Remember that? Matthew 5, pattern for prayer. Now, how many of you grew up Catholic? Anybody grow up Catholic? About half the crowd usually. Catholic, all right. So what was the Catholic word in the Catholic church? What is that prayer called? Come on. The Our Father, right? It's the Our Father. I'm not even Catholic and I know that. How many of you grew up in a Protestant church? Anybody? So what did they call the Our Father in a Protestant church? Lord's Prayer, right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand together. Let's stand together, Catholics and Protestants. You Catholics have been missing this stuff, you know, stand up, sit down, you know, all that stuff. And we're going to do our Father's Lord Prayer. Can we do that together? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. You know, that sounds so beautiful in the King James, doesn't it? Just a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Jesus warns us not to be hypocritical. He gives us a pattern for prayer. I like to pray that prayer and a pattern for that prayer every day powerful. And then he says, in this section, he gives us a lesson to take it a step further by teaching us how to ask in faith as we pray. And today I'm going to talk to you about three things. I'm going to give you three words, and I, I think they're words that if we practice them in here and model them out there, they will literally change our world. I believe that so 
very strongly. These are three words that transformed a few hundred people on a hillside in Judea into a massive, massive community of people who changed their world and who have changed the world uh, since then also. It's three words that contain everything that we need for what ails us today. And here they are. The first one is pray. Say that together. Pray. You know, someone said that one of the greatest short-term tragedies in the church is how little inclination that we have to pray. And that's probably true. What, what is your default when something uncomfortable happens or something uncontrollable happens? Time out. Everything's uncontrollable. Okay. The whole world is. Your family is. Your kids are. They probably act nicer than my kids. But you don't have a whole lot of control. Okay. But something uncontrollable or uncomfortable or this is a surprise and it doesn't seem good. What is your default? Most of us, it's worry. Jesus talked about that a couple of weeks ago in our series. It's worry. We, we start to get this knot in the stomach. Anybody else get that? Knot in the stomach and then blood starts to rush to your brain. Mine rushes right to my ears so you can tell when it's happening. My ears are red, you know. And then we begin to think thoughts. These are, oh, this is terrible. We're ruined. We'll never recover from this. I can't believe they said that. All kinds of worst case scenarios that lead us further and further down a, just a black hole of worry and discouragement and even depression. And Jesus says, how about this? Instead of doing that, how about make your default? Pray. Ask me. Pray, he says. Look what he says. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask. Breaks down prayer in three words. Ask. Ask. What questions come to mind when you say, or when you hear uh, him say, ask, and it will be given to you. Everybody that asks, receives. What questions come to mind? How about this one? Seriously? <laughs> How many of you have ever asked something and it didn't look like you got an answer? Anybody here? Okay, three of us. All right, let's try that again. <laughs> How many of you have ever prayed for something specifically and it didn't happen exactly like you wanted? Okay. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, it happens, it happens to, to all, I, you know, it's almost like, this passage of scripture is almost like one of those too good to be true deals. Do you react like I do when it's too good to be true? Like it ain't true, right? I mean, I, I do Instagram and uh, probably at least once or twice a week, I get a direct message from somebody that says, hey, I like your Instagram. If you'll let me, I could get you hundreds of thousands of followers and you can get rich. You know what I do? Delete. Why? Because in most of those offers, the money transaction goes from my wallet to theirs because it's too good to be true. And Jesus says, ask, and you'll be given everybody who asks, receives. Does that mean I can ask for a car today, go to the driveway, and expect it immediately? Maybe. You know, crazier things have happened. 
but usually it's a little more nuanced than that. Let me explain it like this. How many of you are mothers here today? Any, any mothers? mothers? Okay. All right. So have you ever heard this question? Mama, can I have some candy? What? Oh, no. Boy, that was harsh. Heard a harsh answer just then. Well, here, here's a key. Is when you're a papa, the answer is always yes. 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 Yes, yes, you need candy. Yes. And you should have sat closer to the front. Because that's what papas do. And kids love it. Don't kill your kids. There are better ones coming, okay? That's just, that's just kind of how it is. The last service applauded. There were some issues in that service. So, so mama's... Kids come to mom and they say, can I have some candy? There are several possible responses to that. Yes, here's, here's a couple. You can do that. Or what else is it response? You're going to ruin your dinner. Let's wait till then. What's another one? Let's wait till your homework's done, right? You do your homework. And then it's always qualified. You can have three. Okay, you can have the whole bag. You can have three, all right? And uh, so sometimes the answer that we ask for is not what we want to hear. I don't like no or not now or even, even though those are the best gifts or the best gift options at the time. And a yes would actually be a bad gift. I don't like that. You know, 22 years ago, we, we desperately asked God for a bigger building, more space. We were having six services, five, six services. And staff was, you know, hanging on by a thread. And I, I had my, uh, my, my resignation in every Monday, you know, I, I'm over this and all that. And we, we, uh, we, we were going to build a bigger building. We bought all this land around us and went to the city of Mount Pleasant and asked if we could do that. Actually, we asked God first, you know, God, do we want to, we want to do that. And uh, the answer that the city gave was no. And I cursed the devil over all that stuff. Probably cursed a few of them too. That's back before I had matured. I have matured. Love everybody now. And uh, man, we, we, it seemed like the best and only option. And I think it was a good thing to ask. Jesus says ask. And because God said, not yet, this was a 20-year project, there's a Seacoast campus in Columbia. Your kids are learning about Jesus in Kids Coast in places like Asheville and Somerville. People are making connections and building relationships at Manning and Conway. And people are experiencing worship and response time in North Charleston and Irmo. And we found incredible leaders like Ross White in Greenville and Mac Mood in Johns Island. And we're baptizing people in West Ashley. And we're reaching students in McClellanville. You know what? God's no was a not yet. We asked for one thing and we got something way better. Way better. But Jesus says, ask. 
ask expecting answers. They always aren't exactly what you thought they would be, but James 4, 2 says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And instead of complaining about circumstances, let's ask God. Jesus invites us, pray, ask, ask, ask. And then he says, seek as a part of the prayer. Seek and you will find. Asking is a simple question. It's a petition. Seeking is a search. It's a search. Um, we do an Easter egg hunt at our family every year. Don't judge, because I don't care what you think about that. Okay? It's just the way it is. We've been doing it for years. We come worship Jesus, and we do eggs. Okay? And uh, Debbie is like the, the, the consummate grand, grandmother, and she did 600 eggs, or 700, 700 eggs this year, 700, because we have like 300 grandchildren. <laughs> 700 eggs. And it's so fun to watch them. You know, the big kids, they go and they scramble. They find, we hide them all over, you know. And the little kids, we kind of section it off so that the big kids don't get all the eggs. And with the little kids, you get them out there, and they're looking around. There's eggs, obvious, and they can't see them. And you go, you're getting warm, right? You're getting warm. Oh, cold, cold, cold. Warm, warm, warm. And there's just a process in seeking. Process. If they quit, they'll never get the egg. We seek God's will for our lives. You ever done that? God, what is your, what's the next step for me? What's your will? Or we seek God's will for a spouse or for a job or, or to know God more. And we seek, and in the seeking, it can be frustrating, can't it? Anybody ever been frustrated seeking? Yeah, it can be. But here's the problem. If you quit seeking, you start settling. And you miss God's best. There's benefit to seeking because we get better along the way. You learn to listen to God more. You learn to know what it is is God's will, what he responds to better in your life. And so he says to seek, and then he says to knock. Knock, knock, and the door will be open to you. Knocking is generally refer, uh, reserved for closed doors, Right? I mean, sometimes there'll be an open door. Somebody's in there and we give a courtesy knock, you know, hey. But usually when we're knocking, a door's closed. Jesus says knock. And actually in the, in the uh, verb tense there, it's keep on knocking. Knock and keep on knocking. Is anybody facing a closed door today? See, just a couple of things. Sometimes you just got to stand there and keep knocking and keep knocking, and keep knocking. Uh, that's my preferred way of really getting God's will in things. I've got I've to deal with God. And that I believe that he is well able to close, bar, seal, and make it, and lock a door that he doesn't want me to go through. And so I, I'm going to knock, and keep knocking, and bust through, and guess what? We got a building out of this whole deal after 20 years, you know. It's just kind of the way it goes. But there are times, there have been times in my life, there will be times in yours, when you knock, 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 and it doesn't get open, and you're frustrating, frustrated, 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 and in a moment, there's another door. And you go, wow, here's a, here's a, here's a door I didn't even think about. Because 
open doors represent opportunities. In fact, in Acts chapter 14, the apostle Paul had gone on a missionary journey and it started out to be to the Jewish world, which is really all that there was. The Christian community were a part of a, a Jewish sect and he's going to plant churches and there are a lot of closed doors. And he comes back in Acts chapter 14 to report, report to the church at Antioch. And he says, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That was off their radar screen. The other door was closed. God opened this one. How many of you are glad that they opened a door of faith for Gentiles? Okay, I love, I love the fact that Jesus was Jewish and God loves the Jewish people, but I also appreciate the fact that I'm a Gentile and I've been engrafted into the good work that God is doing, okay? And it came through closed doors and then unexpected open doors, right? So God has doors of opportunity that he wants to open for you. And for some of you, that's why you're here today, just to hear that. It may be a door that you're knocking on now, or it may be a door that you don't even see because this one's closed. Don't give up. Keep on knocking because the opportunity is around the corner. There are things on the table that are ready to be received and taken. But Jesus says we have a part, and that's to ask and keep on asking, to knock and keep on knocking. And, 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 and when we pray, and when we pray, here's the second word that's so important. Second word. First one is pray. Second one is trust. Trust. Here's what Jesus says. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father or your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is saying this. He's saying, pray, pray, ask, seek, knock. But it's hugely important that you trust God's goodness when you pray. And he uses an illustration, and I'll just bet he had a piece of bread. Here's some bread. I'm not going to throw this. Okay? And here's a stone. I'm not going to throw this either. But I wonder, I just wonder, doesn't say it, but Jesus used illustrations so much. I wonder if he grabbed a stone and a piece of bread that were about the same size. He said, which one of you, if, you're, if your kid comes and says, here's, God, I need some bread, that you just slip a stone in on him. You don't do that. And he said, in the same way, your heavenly father doesn't do that. But have you ever been afraid to pray for something because you thought God might slip a stone in on you? I have. I grew up in uh, a small church in in Colorado, and my dad was a pastor. It was a great church. And we used to have missionaries come, and missionaries would always come on Wednesday night. Never had missionaries on Sunday morning or Sunday night. It was always Wednesday night. And uh, we had a big altar. I don't know if some of you may, when you say altar, it means different things to Catholics or Anglicans or Baptists or Pentecostals. I, we were Pentecostal, and so we had this big altar down where people would come down and they'd kneel and pray at the end of every service. And so missionaries oftentimes would display their wares on the altar. And I can remember a couple of times that missionary would have on that whole big long altar the skin of a python snake. 
huge python snake. Now, I think we've got a picture of one. I had one, and it got away from me in the last service, so. So, and he would always tell a story about how he was, you know, walking through a jungle somewhere, and this snake came out, and it was deadly, and, and at the last minute, God saved him, you know, and he was able to escape from it, and he brought it in, and people just applauded, they loved that stuff, everybody but me. I hate snakes. I just can't even think about snakes. And then God moves me here where there's just lots of snakes, right? But I, I, I hate snakes. And so every time I would think about submitting my will to God, here was my thinking. God will take the one thing you don't want, and that's what he'll make you do. That was my thought. That was what I, I thought was the, the case. And I had a hard time. It might sound crazy, but I had a hard time submitting my will and my life to Christ. It wasn't until I got to college, talking to a college professor, and I was embarrassed, but I told him this story that I'm telling you right now. If I say yes to Jesus, he'll send me right to where they have pythons. And he said, don't you think that God knows you and God created you? And Don't you think that if you submit your life to God, God will give you a group of people who understand you, understand your humor, and that you can teach you and all that kind of thing? I, I thought the light came on to me. Okay, that, that makes sense. He said, well, don't get your hopes up. It's probably not a real big group of people, but there, there is a group of people like that. You know? Maybe you're afraid to pray for patience because you thought he'd put you through some really hard situations if you did. Or maybe you're afraid to trust God with the really important decisions in your life because you just know that he's going to slip a stone in on you not going to give you bread. And Jesus says, even the worst among us knows how to give good gifts to our kids. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to us? So when things are jacked up like they are right now, Jesus would say, pray expecting answers from God. Trust God even when you don't understand it. And there's one more word. I don't have a lot of time for it. I wish I had more. I probably will take a couple minutes. But this is a surprising word. When I read what I was assigned to preach on this week, it was surprising. I mean, I've read all of these scriptures before, but it just jumped out at me. How this one doesn't seem to fit. And here's the word, do, do, okay? Do, pray, trust, do. Jesus says this following what he just said, and it's a part of the same segment. I'll show you that in just a minute. It says, so, say so, remember that. So in everything, do unto others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. The word so, you, you use so to refer back to something that has just been mentioned, okay? And so in the context, Jesus says, when everything seems jacked up, because it was really jacked up for them too. You say, well, it's more jacked up now. I don't know. When's the last time you saw somebody crucified? And you have an opportunity to have freedom. They didn't have it. It was more jacked up then. And Jesus says, stop worrying. Quit judging. Start praying. Keep trusting. And in everything. So this, this, this verse belongs with this little segment. It says, so in everything. What does everything mean? Yeah, in the Greek, it means everything. 
So in everything you do, you say, wait for it, you post on social media, in everything, he says, do, 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 do something, do something, do something. See, our beliefs are important, and our beliefs inform our behaviors. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, that God answers prayer, that God opens doors of opportunity, that God is good and can be trusted, then you will behave accordingly. Because beliefs inform behavior. You will do something. It's not enough to believe something. James says, faith without what? Works is dead. It's not enough to believe something. This is what I'm not saying. I don't have time for it. I'm not saying that salvation is by works. It's by faith. But it's a bigger package than that. What you believe must inform your behavior. Okay? So so what should we do based on what we believe? Because this is the difference maker. Doing is the difference maker. It's the thing that changes the world. So let's go ahead with the scriptures. Do to others what you would have them do to you. See, when you believe the right things, it will change the way you behave. Our Heavenly Father wants us to behave like him, not just believe in him. Okay? He wants us, did you get that? Write it down. He wants us to behave like him, not just believe in him. Christ's followers should not look like everybody else. Christian doctor ought to look different. I, I thank God for, for the doctors. There's somebody in the foyer was just telling me about it, a surgery that they had, had to have with one of the doctors that's here in the church. And he said, the doctor came in just before surgery and said, would you mind if we prayed? I'm not saying everybody has to do this. This was the situation. He said, would you mind if we prayed? He said, my heart just leapt within me. I cannot believe that he would do that. We would do that. If you're a Christian doctor, Christian teacher, Christian lawyer, a Christian uh, uh, business owner, a Christian employee, Christian student, you should look different than the world. And here's the problem. Survey after survey after survey says there's no difference in how they are. That's part of why it's so jacked up out there. It's because we are not being the body of Christ. We believe all the right things, but oftentimes it doesn't translate into our behavior. This part's so much fun because we've been having fun and laughing and now everybody's, oh my God, what's he saying now? Tune in. Tune in. They act differently. They don't do unto others before they do unto you. Right? They don't do unto others because they did it to you. Oh, that's hard. I had a biblical example of that in my own life this week. I studied all week with God all week long. Love these principles. We're going to change the world. Went out for Mexican food on Friday night with my lovely wife and two of our friends. And the the parking lot was full, you know, like they are around here on Friday night. And so I just kind of parked and waited real close to 
the door. I was just trusting God for a great parking favor. Sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. It seemed like minutes. It was probably seconds, but it was a while. And then the, the white lights came on the tail. I love that when the white lights come on. That means they're backing out. If that's you, get with it. Don't do your hair, all that kind of stuff. Just back. Right? Because we're, we're ready. We're ready. And so he backs out. I pull up, almost get into the, the thing. Somebody comes around the corner. Guy from Tennessee. <laughs> I got his license. Comes around the corner, zips. Am I kidding? Deb? Zips in, parks sideways, almost hits me and the car there. And I went for the window button. I'm going to do unto him because he did unto me, right? I look over at Debbie and it's like. Because there's two questions that are, it's funny, but it's two questions that are vital in that and every other situation is what would Jesus do? And how can I do unto him as I would want him to do unto me? Well, I'd want him to get the parking place and buy my meal. I looked around, couldn't find him, praise God. So here's what Christians do. They do unto others what they would want them to do to you. In what? Everything. In everything. How would I want to be treated? Some of us need to change our behavior or change our profile. I love cruising through Facebook and Instagram. It's a great discipleship tool. And, and I'll see sometimes people, not in this church, it's in other churches out there. I'll see people say awful things, awful things about people I know. Or sometimes awful things about people I don't know that they feel justified to, to hate on and to say awful things. And so I'll go back to the profile. You know, I go back to their profile and it's got Jesus all over it. And I'm going, change your profile or change your behavior because you're killing us. You're killing us. You're jacking up the world. And if we would all do what Jesus said, do we have to agree with everybody? No, we can confront things. We have ballot boxes. We have all kinds of opportunities. But even then, you don't hate on people. You love everybody. In fact, let, let me just close. This is so much fun. We got to close. The last thing that he says is for this sums up the law and the prophets. Do you know how many laws there are in the Old Testament? 613, 613. You know how many laws that Jesus has? One. We got a great deal. And if we do that one, it will change our families, our churches, our nation, and our world. We only got one thing, one thing. Jesus gathers his disciples toward the end of his ministry. They're facing a jacked up world. What is their strategy? John 13, a new command. I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. 
if you love one another. Let's go back to my first statement. The world's pretty jacked up right now. Jesus has a today word for us. And if we'll learn to pray in faith, trust God, and show love to everyone we meet, we will make a difference. And it starts right here, and it starts right now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness to us. God, I thank you for your word that is so penetrating and so real. Down through the ages, it speaks to us. Lord, help us to be accurate reflections of who you are. Help us to believe right and then to put action to our beliefs. Father, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're gonna take just a few minutes and we're gonna respond to God's word. We ask two questions. What is God saying to me and how am I gonna respond what he says. Several options. The first one is this. All I've talked about, all the answered prayers, ask, seek, knock, that's all believers' promises. It's not for everybody. You say, well, I thought God loved everybody. He does. Well, I thought God created everybody. He loves all of his creation, and so should we. But I thought everybody was a part of God's family. They're not. You're born into a family. Jesus said, you must be born again. What does that mean? That just means, you know, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I don't always hit it right. Uh, I recognize that Jesus was perfect and he died for me so that I wouldn't have to take the punishment for my sin. That's called the gospel. And I put my faith in that. And I say, God, I want to be a part of your family. And I would love for many of us here and online just to pray a prayer during response time and just say, God, I receive the gospel today. I receive the gospel today. I believe I want to be a part of your family. And you become a part of this great, this great community of saints down through the years. Challenge you to follow that up by being baptized. We have baptisms here once a month, every, 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 uh, every month. And there'll be um, announcements on that here in your campus. and We can make provision for you online. But just pray a prayer. Say, God, I want to be a part of your family. Second response would be, some of us need to ask Jesus for something. We need to ask. He's inviting us. And there's something you're worried about, something you're concerned about. Maybe one of the long list of things that I read at the beginning. It may be something entirely different. You're concerned. Jesus says, ask me for it. Maybe you want to go to a cross and put it on a little piece of paper. Maybe you want to come up front. There'll be elders and prayer team up front that would love to lend you their faith. Just go and ask. Some of us are going to ask for somebody else. We go to a candle and we light a candle and we say, God, may the light of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit be made known in my loved one. And we just pray and we ask. And others of us, we need to make a commitment to do a commitment to do. As we come and we receive communion, I want to challenge you to just ratify the commitment and covenant that you have with your Lord today. And say, God, I am committing to not only believe in you, but behave like you do. Lord, I ratify that. I ratify that 
in my life as we receive communion together. We're going to give our gifts online in the offering boxes. We're going to stand and sing and celebrate an awesome God who loves us. What is God saying to you? How are you going to respond to him? Let's respond together.